You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. We are continuing our series on the book of Acts here today. This is part eight, and we've just been diving in and going for it. And back in January, I started hitting the gym consistently again. I stopped for November, December, because what's the point? You're eating horrible anyway, right? And so I wasn't going, and I'm hitting the gym hard in January, but I was still eating horribly. And so I wasn't getting on the scale, and I'm kind of noticing my, my clothes are getting a little tighter. I'm like, muscle, yes, muscle's building. And, and um, eventually I got on the scale, and I was heavier, and I was like, oh man, I was like, I guess that's muscle weight. I'm going to call it muscle weight. And I'm, I, you know, I'm just researching things about working out. And of course, Schwarzenegger is going to come up, right? And so uh, I find that in 1980, when he won Mr. Olympia, he weighed about the same weight that I did in March. And I was thinking, not muscle weight, okay? <laughs> Clearly not muscle weight, all right? And that is what I like to call an oh dang moment, all right? And the oh dang moments are what help you realize something needs to change. Something has to have some attention put on it. And I pray throughout this series that there have been some oh dang moments for us where we're going through the series and God just like highlights something in our heart and he speaks to us. And there's a, a moment of conviction. There's a moment of, oh wow, something needs to happen. I need to pay some attention to this area of my life or that area of my life. I just pray that God's doing that as we're here in this series. And I pray even today that there will be some oh dang moments where we got to go, wow, God, okay, there's a spot in my heart that you're highlighting right now to speak to me and lead me. And so kind of what we've been doing as we go through this series, because Acts has so much to talk about, is ask a few questions. And we're going to ask a few questions right now where, where we'll be heading today. And the first one is this, do we respond without delay to God's leading in our lives? Do we respond without delay? I think we become masters of kind of just hearing God and, 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 and knowing that it's him nudging us, that it's him moving and pushing us in a direction, but kind of putting it off and delaying and waiting back. And I want to talk with us today about what it looks like to respond quickly to what God is saying and to the ways he's leading in our lives. Second question, and this might sound a little strange, but it'll make sense as we dive in. Am I calling anything unclean that God calls clean, okay? Um, is there anything in my life that because I call myself a follower of Jesus, I have not enjoyed as a blessing that God has given because I've thought it's bad or I've thought it's something, uh, some law I need to keep when in fact God has given a, a real blessing that we can enjoy if we could just kind of relax a little bit and see it as a blessing that he's given, okay? And I'll give an example of something in my life where I saw this happen a little bit later and maybe it'll, it'll kind of uh, help you find a spot in your life. But, but that question really leads us more to question three because question two and question three, as you're gonna see today, are really linked. And the question is this, is there any natural or spiritual prejudice in me? Okay, uh, we know what natural, natural prejudice is. It's when I think that I'm better than someone else, someone else is not as good as me or, or doesn't have the same rights that I have or wouldn't be wanted like I'm wanted or any of those kinds of things. But I think what we don't talk about a lot is a spiritual prejudice. Is there a spiritual prejudice in any of us that would say, oh, God doesn't want them, but God wants me. There's no way God would want that group of people, but God, of course, wants me. Is there anyone that we would just kind of you know, recoil from thinking that God might want to use us in their lives. I'll just, the easiest way I could say it, who wouldn't you invite into your house? Mm. Who wouldn't you invite into your house? Maybe 
there's some spiritual prejudice in us that we don't even realize is there. And so we're going to talk about that here today. Question four, why should I believe that Jesus is alive? You're going, Doug, we've asked that question a lot here in this series. That's because that's where Peter keeps taking us. Peter keeps taking us and, and showing us or reminding us that Jesus is alive. And in a group this size, there are people here today who are asking that same question. I can guarantee it. Why would I believe Jesus is alive? So we're going to see some proof here today. And again, I'm thinking and praying there'll be some oh dang moments here as we go through the passage here today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I pray you'll see God's incredible grace. I pray that um, you will be able to believe as you leave today that Jesus is alive and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. If you're wondering what's wrong with my arm, uh, I'll, I'll catch you up. Don't worry, okay? Um, as we jump in here, we know that the book of Acts is called Acts because it shows the acts or actions of the Holy Spirit in the first century. And who wrote it? Everybody said? Good job. You guys nailed that. The 930 was a little bit lag in there, so, but you guys are right on it. Acts 10.1 says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Everybody say Cornelius. A centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So Cornelius is a commander in the Roman military. A centurion would have been over about 100 soldiers and would have had about the same rank as a captain in our U.S. Army today. And Cornelius was in the Italian Regiment. I said a few weeks ago that growing up as an elementary school student, I was bullied because I wasn't Italian enough, right? I had some Italian in me. My last name is Jansen, which just means son of Jan. Not all that fun, right? And I was surrounded by all these Italian friends in elementary school, and I so wanted to be fully Italian, man. And I'm still Italian, surrounded by Italian people. Now on staff, I got Levanti, Lucci, Pavoni, DeCicio, you know. But I'm not getting bullied, just so you all know. But here is Cornelius, who's specifically this Italian regiment commander. And it says in Acts 10 too, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Some of you can relate to this man. Cornelius. You're just like him. You know why? Cornelius knew about God. He feared God, but he didn't actually know God. Maybe that's you today. You've heard of God. You even kind of maybe even think, I kind of like God, but I don't really know God. And today we're going to see how Cornelius knows God and how you and I can know God and why we should believe in that. And so it goes on in verse 3. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. So this is Cornelius has this vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter, okay? So Cornelius has a vision, and the vision says, go find Simon Peter. So everybody say Simon. Everybody say Peter. Everybody say same guy. Okay, let's go to the next verse. Now it says about Simon Peter, you ready for this? He is staying, Simon Peter is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Okay, so everybody say Simon the Tanner. Simon Peter, not the same guy. All right, we're on the same page. Here we go. Verse 7. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was, with, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, I love this. It leads us right to question number one. Do we respond without delay to God's leading in our lives. Because I love Cornelius hears from God, and he's not like, oh, I got to think about this. I'm going to fast about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to talk to all my counselors and friends. He immediately just goes, God just told me what to do, and I'm going to go do it. I think that you and I can struggle in this area, can't we? 
right? I think we all play the same games too, right? Like God tells us, I want you to go share your faith with that coworker. And what do we, we go, okay, Lord, I will pray for my coworker. Lord, I'm on that. He's going, no, I want you to go share your faith. Now, I'm going to pray for him, though, Lord. It's going to be great. I'll pray, and then you can share my faith with them. It's going to be, he's going, no, you go share your faith, right? We're so good at just waiting and putting off, aren't we? And I'm guilty of that, too. Something that God is, is calling us to let go, a relationship, a habit, something that he's called us to start. Somewhere he's called us to go, and we're so good at just putting it off. My son Landon turned 15 this week, amazing kid. Uh, one of the things that he cracks me up, though, is we're very much alike, and at 15, I would have done the very same thing he did, but he plays video games in our basement, you know? summer break. And he's playing the game, and, and it's like, Landon, it's dinner time, and he goes, okay, Dad. And like a minute later, Landon, we're all at the table. Okay, Dad, come in. Okay. Landon, come up for dinner. But Dad, it's bottom of the ninth. I got two outs. Bases are loaded right here. Landon, there is a pause button. But Dad, if I hit the pause button and I come up for dinner and it begins to thunderstorm, lightning might hit the house and it might catch on fire and my game might explode and I'll never be able to play it again, right? Like, like all the scenarios, right? Now, I can bust on Landon, but man, I can do the same thing when the Lord is telling me to do something. Doug, just go there. Doug, just let that... Doug, surrender that to me. Doug, trust me with that, right? Isn't it so easy to come up with, well, the lightning might strike scenarios. What does it look like to become a bunch of people who without delay say, Lord, I know what you're calling me to do and I'm gonna do it. Now, some of us are like, Lord, I wanna know what you want me to do and I can't hear you right now. If I could just encourage you, he will show you. We saw that last week. Saul was told what he must do. He will tell us what we must do. Keep waiting, keep looking, keep actively seeking him out. But for those of us who know, let's get to it. Let's do the thing he's called us to do. Let's surrender the struggle he's called us to surrender. Let's share the faith he's given us to share and see what God will do. Are you holding on to anything that God would want you to do today? So Cornelius is just one piece of the puzzle, okay? We already know Simon Peter's coming into the story, right? So Cornelius is one piece of of the puzzle, and so timing matters. So had Cornelius delayed on what God told him to do, there would not have been the rest of this story, right? And I just wonder how many times God calls us to something and we miss the rest of the story because we delayed. And so I want for you and I to continue to say, Lord, what are you saying? I want to go do it. Give me boldness. Give me strength. Give me timing. But help me to go do what you're calling me to do. And this is where we kind of transition to the next question. Am I calling anything unclean that God calls clean? What does that mean? Here we go. Acts 10.9. About noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So you're picturing it. Peter's up on the roof praying. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He has a vision. Okay, Cornelius had a vision. Now Peter's having a vision. He saw heaven open in something like a large sheet being let down by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And so here's Peter, the other piece of this puzzle here with Cornelius. But this is a really strange thing that's just happened to Peter. He's getting hungry. He's got some hunger pains in his stomach. Some of you guys have those right now. It's 12.01, everybody. You're thinking about lunch, what's coming, where are we going, right? And Peter's stomach's starting to growl, right? And suddenly he begins to think about what he might eat. And here is this vision as the meal is being prepared of all these animals. And Peter is like, I'm not going to go do that. 
I'm not going to go kill those animals and eat. Why? Why wouldn't he do that? Verse 14, surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, the reason Peter says this is because some of the animals in the visions are animals that, that Jewish people couldn't eat. So Peter, in his entire life, has likely not eaten many of the animals that he saw in this vision. Okay, imagine doing something your whole life or something that's been told to you not to do your whole life and suddenly you're told, go do that. There'd be like a whole lot of like, whoa, right? And that's what Peter's experiencing right here. Tom Constable says the issue of unclean food was the basic one that separated observant Jews like Peter from Gentiles. So the Gentiles are the non-Jews. Peter was a Jew. Now he's a Christian Jew and he's going, wait a minute, I've never eaten this kind of food. In fact, I've been told my whole life that kind of food is unclean. I'm not going to go near that food, Lord. And I don't want to be like those Gentiles. Now listen, something just happened without us even realizing it. Peter And his issue with the food is kind of about the food, but it's more about the Gentiles. The food was just an illustration that God was using to lead Peter to a greater truth. It matters that we enjoy the blessings that God gives us in life, but Peter's about to realize something really powerful. But this whole Gentile Jew thing was very deep-seated. Alfred Edersheim says this, Milk drawn by a heathen, if a Jew had not been present to watch it, Bread and oil prepared by them were unlawful. So if a Gentile poured your milk at lunch later today and you were a law-abiding Jew, unless another Jew was there to watch him pour the milk, you couldn't drink it. You couldn't eat the bread and oil coming out, everybody. A Branchinelli's in a little while, right? Okay? Unless a Jew is there to watch it. So there's all these laws and rules, and it seems like God's making a really big deal about some food. I'm just telling you, it's really about the people connected to the food. But let's keep going. Verse 15. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Question for you, you, you and me today. Are we calling anything unclean that God has given us as a blessing and a gift to enjoy? Now, I can't imagine this is an, a huge, huge problem for a lot of us, but it leads us to a third problem, which I think might be more of a problem for many of us. But let me give you an example in case any of you guys are there. If you're calling anything unclean that God has given as a blessing, in our legalism, we've, we've pushed away and said, no, that can't be of God. I can't, I can't enjoy it. Let me give you an embarrassing example from my childhood, okay? So I grew up in a great church, but uh, we were... It was a church that was transitioning out of being a very traditional church to being a pretty cutting-edge church. And I also worked for another church at a time when I was 19 as a youth pastor in Jersey that was super traditional. You know, rows, everybody's in suits, and, and they, they had these beliefs back in the day. There were some Christians who believed that certain types of music and even instruments were like of the devil. Okay, like my pastor at the church that I youth pastored at out in Jersey, he held up a guitar one day and said, there's nothing inherently evil about this device. It's an instrument. It can be used for good or evil, right? I was the church drummer in the church that I grew up. Forget it, drums were from the devil for some people, okay? And I'll never forget, I would drum behind a cage just like this. And right over here, right about where Jean's sitting, there was Mrs. Bruno. Mrs. Bruno was a sweet old lady. Mrs. Bruno would sit there and she thought the drums were from the devil and therefore I was from the devil. And so everybody thought that the cage was to protect the sound from there, but it was actually to protect me from Mrs. Bruno, okay? 
And she just thought it was of the devil. And then I was a Christian 80s metal kid. I loved my Christian 80s metal. And so, you know, the screaming and the guitar solos and the drum solos, and oh, this can't be of God. And so people came at us. And you didn't mess with Christian 80s metal kids, all right? Like, you better insult my mom before you insult my favorite Christian metal band, right? Like, we were going to come at you, okay? And that is a really great example of people who thought something was unclean when God had given it to be a great blessing. And I can't tell you, this is going to sound so stupid for a 45-year-old man to say, but I can't tell you how much God used that music in my life to actually draw me close to him and keep me close to him. And so, again, not maybe the biggest felt need in the room, but is there anything that as followers of Jesus we've decided that's, on, that's unclean. I can't go near that when, in fact, God's given to be a great blessing to us. And we have to be careful. We can't call something that is actually unclean now clean and try to make it clean, right? Like God's not going, oh, yeah, just decide on porn or whatever, what you think about it, and maybe it'll be clean. No, it's, right? No, no, the Lord has not decided that that is clean, right? But is there anything like that? But now let's really get to it, okay? Because it's all really an illustration. It says in verse 16, this happened three times. So Peter has the vision three separate times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. First of all, what's with Peter in three times, right? First off, he denies Jesus three times. Then Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And then now he has to see the vision three times. So it's very interesting. But we go to question number three. Is there any natural or spiritual prejudice in me? You see, it's not about the food. It's kind of about the food. It's much more about the people because Peter didn't just believe the food was unclean. He believed the Gentiles were unclean. And God's going, now we're getting at it, Peter. Here's your oh dang moment, Peter. Did you just realize that you think this entire people group are unclean and that I'd want nothing to do with them? Who is that for us? Is there a person? Is there a people group? that all of us might feel like God would never do anything for them. Is there somebody in your life, and like we saw last week, Saul's life transformed the furthest person from being a Christian, becomes one of the most important Christians. Like, who's that person in our life? Who wouldn't we invite into our house? That'll tell us who that person is or those people are. It goes on here. It says, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. So here come the stories together. Cornelius saw a vision. Peter saw a vision. Now the story's coming together. That's why timing matters. That's why when the Lord says, go and do, we got to go and do because timing matters. Verse 18, they called out asking if Simon, was, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, this is awesome, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so you, he could hear what you have to say. And I love this last line. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Huge first step. Do I have any prejudice in me? Natural or spiritual? Step number one, invite him into my house. Invite them in. Invite them into our church. Who are those people I would never think I would want to work in their lives? Invite them in. Begin to open up that door for relationship, right? Maybe they're on, listen, ready? They're on the other side of the political aisle. 
And guys, I've been saying it for years. We're coming back up on this new cycle of election, and there's all kinds of, you know, everything's already happening. There's already stuff brewing. Guys, please, please, let's do it different than we did in 2020, right? That we'd be so careful, that we'd love one another on every side of this, right? Maybe it's the person from a certain side of town. Maybe you grew up on the rich side, and they were from the poor side, or you grew up on the poor side, and they are from the rich side. Mets and Yankees fans, it's time to unite. I'm just saying, all right? Older people, is it younger people? What's God going to do with that generation? What's God want to do with any of those young people, right? Is it someone with a very public sin struggle? Is it someone that you have just a very different sin struggle from? Remember, we all have our sin struggles, but sometimes there's a very different one that kind of stands out. Is it a people group that the church has historically not shown love to, right? So who is it for you? Step one, invite them in. Peter's just heard from the Lord. You thought those Gentiles were beyond my reach. They are not. Who in your life do you think you've been convinced is beyond God's reach? This should give us great, great hope. Verse 23, the next day Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up. He said, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware. I love this. You ready? Here's Peter's recognizing the prejudice in his own heart. You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with, visit, with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure are unclean. That is huge. And I think it's so interesting that Peter refers back to the vision here. You know why it surprises me that this was such a surprise to Peter? Because he just spent years with Jesus. Hadn't he seen Jesus do this? Right? Hadn't Jesus been the one hanging out with prostitutes and thieves? Hadn't he been the one who went over to the um, lepers and, and literally physically touched them, not only were the lepers seen unclean in their physical appearance, but they were uh, called ceremonially uncleaned, which means by law they had to be pushed out of the community and couldn't stay. And Jesus would go to those people, right? He was called the friend of sinners. And so it's, it's interesting to me that Peter was so surprised by this. In fact, the first Gentile that Jesus spent time with was also a Roman centurion just like Cornelius. It's a question, are you and I labeled as a friend of sinners? Like, is that just who we are? Look, a few weeks ago, I, I talked about um, some of the things that we need to hold near and dear to our heart and, and, and make sure that we know are true of us as followers of Jesus. And we got into it, man. I'm not saying we become all, you know, just this like excessive grace without any truth, right? We, I mean, we went there a few weeks ago. But is there anybody now and here that we've, we've pushed away and aside thinking that God doesn't want anything to do with them? Are we the friend of sinners? Howard Marshall says, the point is that the Lord's command frees Peter from any scruples about going to a Gentile home and eating whatever might be set before him. It would be a short step from recognizing that Gentile food was clean to realizing that Gentiles themselves were clean. Also, So is there a group of people that I just can't imagine God wants to work in? Who do I think God doesn't love or doesn't want anything to do with? Um, I can think, everyone just look at me real quick, I can think of one particular person that every single one of us has a problem with in this room. And it's ourselves. I think every single one of us, at times, 
calls ourselves unclean, don't we? Just have decided that for whatever reason, there's no way the Lord would want us. That, that thing, that, that season, that time, it just absolutely put a wall between us. And the Lord would never want us again, right? And we just beat ourselves up. So what happened to my hand? If you missed church last week, I was on a ladder. I was working with a chainsaw, and the chainsaw on my thumb had an unfortunate interaction. And uh, thankfully, it's still attached. It's all sewn back together. And I go Tuesday to continue to find out what will all be going ahead. But hopefully, all will be well, and I'll just be able to heal up as time goes on. But can I tell you, from the moment I got down off the ladder, which I still don't know how I got down off that ladder, but I got down off the ladder, the moment I was walking across that lawn, do you know what I was doing immediately in all the pain that I was in? I was calling myself a stupid idiot. <laughs> You're so stupid. You are such an idiot. You moron. You've been using a chainsaw for 30 years. What did you do, right? And you could ask my son. Uh, he was out there holding the towel. You know, helped me get the towel around my hand, all that kind of stuff, as we're waiting for the ambulance and the paramedics and the police and everybody to show up. And I'm just, you idiot. You're so stupid. I mean, just over and over. And Kate's going, Dad, no, you're not. Stop, you know? And apparently, so, so I get carted off to the hospital. Kelly comes to the hospital, and, and I, we were supposed to have a Father's Day gathering, which I ruined. So, so uh, my kids, I said, just go over and go to, go to the gathering. Have fun, you know? Just, Dad's okay. Dad's just going to bleed to death. You, you go enjoy, though. No, no. So they, so they go, right? And apparently, um, I don't, I kind of remember this, don't fully remember this, but my dad calls me yesterday and he goes, hey, how's your hand? What's going on? He goes, so Bryn came in the house and said, uh, grandpa, dad told me to tell you that he's going to be okay. He's just a moron. <laughs> okay. I don't have a full memory of that, but I kind of remember saying that, but, but that was my statement. And I called a friend this week, and he's asking me about it, and he's, a, he's in, in landscaping, and, and I'm like, I'm such a moron. No, you're not. Don't say that. Isn't that what we do? Right? I'm so unclean. Of course I did it again. I committed. I would never go there again. I would never do that again. I'd never look at that again. I'd never say that word again. I'd never lose my temper with my kids or my spouse again. I said it, and I'm so unclean. I'm just the worst, right? Isn't it funny how for some of us, our greatest spiritual prejudice against ourself. And as much as the Lord wants to reach into our hearts today and challenge us to not be prejudiced toward any person, people group, I think the same challenge goes for us, I hopefully in an oh dang moment right now, that we would stop beating ourselves up and that we would recognize that what the Lord has made clean, which is you and me, is truly clean. And then we begin to catch ourselves, calling ourselves stupid, idiot, moron. Not just about chainsaw incidents, but the decisions we make and the sinful places we've gone and done and all that kind of stuff. God's called you clean. Now walk in what he's called you to do and be. Cornelius, in the story, goes on here. Peter says, so why was I sent for? I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius tells him the whole story. He's like, this is crazy, man. This angel showed up and told me to come find you. And it goes on. And I love this. Look, can we just be encouraged by this? You ready? The next several verses, we're going to read them in a chunk together, verses 34 to 38. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation 
the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all people who are under the power of the devil because God is with him. And I just love in those few verses what I see is that God is just such a great planner, right? The Roman centurion, Cornelius, is the first Gentile or non-Jew convert to Christianity through the apostles. And the first Gentile that Jesus ministered to was also this Roman centurion. I don't think that's a mistake. Cornelius got a message from God. Peter got a message from God. Cornelius's life was transformed. Peter learned a valuable, important, life-changing message about his spiritual prejudice. And then Peter says something awesome in verse 39. And it helps us begin to talk about this fourth question. And we're going to bounce back to the third question as we continue on. But, but the fourth question is, why should I believe that Jesus is alive? So if you're here today going, I just don't know about this Jesus. I don't know if I should trust him or can trust him. Or why would I think he wants a relationship with me or has dealt with my sin? Look at this. We are witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. We're not witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Listen, why can you be forgiven? Why can you be clean? Look at this. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. He paid your penalty. Why would I trust that he's alive? But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Everybody say seen. He was not seen by all the people, but witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Everybody say ate and drank. All right, so if you're eating and drinking with somebody and they're eating and drinking too, you know that they're not like a vision or a mirage or something in your head, okay? You know that they are real and there, and here is this risen Savior eating and spending time with the apostles. He commanded us, it says in verse 42, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify, testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Some of you are here today because you need forgiveness of sin. You need, to be, you need to know you are clean because of what Jesus has done for you. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the passage, or the message, sorry. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit and, uh, had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And here we are back at the same idea. This group that no one thought God would be interested in, God reached mightily. I don't know if any of you guys have heard about or seen the movie The Jesus Revolution or heard that story or read any of the books, but there's basically this incredible story of a man named Greg Lowry who met a street preacher and a pastor, and there were a bunch of just hippies. It was the whole like drug movement, and this one church opened their doors to this whole community, and God transformed a whole community. In fact, it wasn't a part of the same movement, but our founding pastor, Pastor Bavone, has shared his testimony about being a hippie in the 70s in the drug culture. And God transformed his life and his wife's life. And they started our church and God moved mightily through their lives. And again, I just think, like, what if the spiritual prejudice that was in most churches in that day had kept those hippies out of the church, right? Like, what, what would we have missed? And most churches at the time were just saying there was no way God was going to reach that generation. And it became one of the most powerful transformations that we've seen in American church culture. I just wonder, who is it that we wouldn't invite into 
our house. Peter baptized them, and then we're at the end of chapter 10. And chapter 11 just really reinforces everything we saw in chapter 10. In verse 1 of 11, it says, The apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? And my request for us as a church, everybody, can we just not be these Christians? Can we not be the Christians that go, wait, you, you did what? You hung out with who? You spent time with who? You invited who into your house? You ate who with what? You ate who with what? Don't, no. You ate what with who? Don't eat, don't, don't eat anybody, all right? That's like serial killer stuff, okay? But who, you went where? And you did what, right? Like, can we just not be those Christians, okay? And we have to be wise, right? Like, if you have a drinking problem, don't go try to reach other people who have a drinking problem. Let people who don't have a drinking problem reach them, right? If you have a gossip problem, don't go and try to reach, up, reach the gossipers, okay? They're talking about you anyway. You don't even want to go, all right? So let somebody else go and reach the gossipers. But I, we have to be those kinds of people who are saying, Lord, like, oh, I'm ready to be used by you, God. I, I want to be used, Lord. Even those people that I would feel uncomfortable inviting in or I never would have thought I'd invite in or I never thought you would love, God, I want to be used. And then in verse 4, it says, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. So these guys come at him and criticize him, and he tells them this whole story about how God showed up and said, these people are clean because of what I've done. And then all the way down to verse 18, we catch up and it says, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praise God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I just love that. They get it through their heads, right? I'm so thankful for the people that went before me. You know, my pastor growing up, who was like, let the kid play the drums, man. Let the kid play the drums. Let him listen to his loud, screamy music. It's about Jesus, right? I wonder who those people are in our lives. We need to just look at and go, oh, God. You know, like with the love of Jesus in our eyes, you know? Just the amazing grace and love that's been poured out on our lives that we would be, you know, couriers of that and carriers of that. The next few verses talk about how the church was scattered and the message of Jesus spread all over the place. And it says this in verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Just a reminder again, we saw this a few weeks ago, but all the stuff that you've gone through that you wouldn't choose, like the early church being scattered out of their homes to other cities, causes amazing things to happen. I don't know, you know, what you wouldn't choose as you look back in life, but if you've been walking with the Lord long enough, you could probably also look back and see how God used it. And so just be encouraged today. A little side note there. Verses 22 and 23 were introduced to, to Barnabas coming to Antioch, and he encourages the people to stay true to the Lord. Verses 24 and 26, um, Barnabas and Saul connect more on that later. And this right here is the first time that they're called Christians. Remember last week you saw that up to that point they were called followers of the way? Right here is the first time in Acts chapter 11 we hear the word Christian. Verse 27 and 28, we'll close with this. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And then he says this, this happened during the reign of Claudius, which I love that. Because we've been saying since week one that Luke was writing with history and apologetics in mind. And he wanted to get these historical details right. And the fact that this actually happened during the reign of Claudius should give us great confidence that when Luke tells us Jesus was alive and the disciples saw him, he was getting his history right. 
They then take an offering for those in need in Judea, and we find the end of chapter 11. So, question number one, do you respond? Do I respond without delay when God is leading our lives? Are we holding anything back, or are we saying, Lord, I'll go, I'll stay, I'll start the thing, I'll stop the thing, I'll surrender it, I'll get out of the relationship, I'll get in the relationship, I'll share my faith. God, I want to do what you want me to do, and I don't want to be Cornelius over here waiting when Peter's already over here thinking I'm coming, right? I want to be the other piece of the puzzle. Somebody's puzzle, you're working on a life, I want to be ready to be the other part of that, and we're going to see more of how this kind of thing plays out in the book of Acts. It's incredible. Question two, am I calling anything unclean that God calls clean? Is there something I've stayed back from that God wants to give us as a great blessing? Question three, the bigger question, is there any natural or spiritual prejudice in me? Who do I think God doesn't love or want? And that God would help me repent of that heart and attitude and pray. I was just reading this week a lot in 1 John, which is just over and over and over again, that we'll be known by our love, right? How we love one another. That it literally says, we might do a 1 John study maybe in the fall, but, but basically how... Um, we, as followers of Jesus, if we're really, really his, if we're really in the light, then the thing that's going to characterize us is the love that we shine and the love that we show. And if you're struggling with that, if you're like, God, I hate that group of people. God, I hate those people on the other political side. God, I hate those people who struggle with that sin. God, I hate those people who live in that place or grew up with that benefit that I didn't have. God, there's a hate in me. Then we have got to pray, Lord, change my heart. I want to do something here. It's risky because I don't know who's going to raise their hand or not. But I can raise my hand. If you ever prayed for somebody that you didn't love and then God gave you love for them, can you just raise your hand real quick? Or just say, all right, cool. Not, Not as risky as I thought. Wow. He will do that for us. He will do that for us with those people that we have a natural or spiritual prejudice. And listen, do you have a spiritual prejudice against yourself? you got to catch yourself and replace it with truth. Stop saying you are unclean. Stop saying you're an idiot, a failure, a mistake. And Say what the Lord says about you. You are his. He sings over you. He delights in you. Lastly, why should I believe that Jesus is alive? Because Peter said, we are witnesses of this, and we ate with him, and we spent time with him, and we know that he is alive, and we'll give our lives for it. So where do you find yourself today? As I said in one of the early weeks, I'm just throwing, on a, whole, throwing a whole bunch of shoes out into the crowd, and I hope you have a, a, an O-dang moment, and you put on the shoe that fits. What shoe are you going to wear out of here today? What do you need to apply to your life? Because the Lord's wanting to do great things, and I'm just telling you, if you and I will live this way, man, we will be a bunch of Christians who respond to God's leading when he leads us. We will enjoy the blessings that he's given us. We will love all people and desire for them to be reached by the Lord. And we will know that Jesus is alive. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he wants you. He loves for you. You saw very clearly today, he died on a cross. He rose from the dead to forgive your sins. If you want a relationship with him, I'm going to give you a chance to put your trust in him in just a minute. But church, what an opportunity we have to follow the Lord's leading, to enjoy his blessings, to love those that maybe right now we wouldn't naturally love, and to allow ourselves to, to, to be seen in the light of who he's made us to be. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the book of Acts, God. We are grateful, Jesus, that you are convicting us and you are encouraging us and you are growing us. And God, we just pray for help. So everybody, please don't tune out. Just keep your your, your ears open now and pray with me. 
If you're in group one today and you just need the boldness and the strength to do what you know the Lord is leading you to do, let's pray, Lord. Lord, meet us, God. Those of us who know exactly what it is we're supposed to do, oh God, help us to do it. May we not wait another day before we do those things you've called us to, God. And if we're waiting and trying to figure out what you have for us, would you lead us, God? If we're in group two, God, and there's a blessing in our life that we have refrained from because we think it's not of you, God, would you open our eyes to that, God? That might be a smaller crowd of us here today, but God, open our eyes. If there's any legalism in us, if there's anything in us that has caused us to call something unclean that you've made clean. And Lord, the bigger thing today, God, that natural or spiritual prejudice that can come into our lives without us even realizing it, God. Maybe we were just brought up that way. Maybe it's just we had a horrible experience with somebody and now we see a whole people group through that lens, Lord. God, as Christians, God, make us people who love, Lord. Help us to love those that we don't love. Help us to love those on the other side of the political aisle. Help us to love those who have struggles we don't have, God. Help us to love those, Jesus, who uh, grew up with all of the great benefits we didn't have or all the people that grew up that didn't have any benefits, Lord, that we did have, God. Just please, Lord, make us loving, God. May we live out First John, Lord, that we'll be known by our love, God. Help us and help us, Lord, God, to stop hating ourselves. You've called us clean, Lord. And you told Peter three times, do not call unclean what I've made clean. So, Lord, today we got to stop calling ourselves unclean because you've rescued us. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, would you pray with me now? Would you say, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you so much for dying on the cross in my place. Thank you that you want me, that there is love in your eyes today for me. Lord, help me to know you, not just know about you. Help me to have a relationship with you. And I just give you access to my whole life, God. Do what you want to do in my life, in your name. Amen.